We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hey Trent. hi Park. nice to good to see you it's, it's been, been a while, while yeah since you well, and i together well i mean i saw you yesterday but recording i guess yeah what is this the creator discussion or is this the bottoms discussion or wow or is this this, this, or is, is, this, or, this is not a discussion at all trent um, or is this is this the saw or does this have something to do with saw x saw 10 i'm con- i'm confused i have no but idea what i want to but oh, what i do well, know i'll let you do this yeah Thanks. Thanks. Step aside. Clear out. Uh, clear out. Um, I didn't know if th- you had it, so I, I didn't. You know, I was gonna do it, but now I'm gonna let. No, you do no. It. Wow. When, Our when, meeting is gonna when, end in ten minutes. Oh, is that so? Wow. Uh, when MJ gets the ball in ISO, just trust him. He's fine. Um, Parth, what have you been eating? Trent. Um, my mother cooked a, a thing called egg burgi, which is basically scrambled eggs. Um, with but like with Indian spices and stuff thrown in it. Some onion, yeah, that sounds some tomato. That, that, that sounds better than normal scrambled eggs in pretty much every way. I I much prefer it. Um, and so we had that for dinner. Uh, what about you? Um, unfortunately, and we only have nine and a half minutes due to our Zoom room. Um, but we'll we'll improvise. But we spent um, all our time just reminiscing like old friends do. I know we should stop catching up and chatting and like just having laughs and like enjoying each a other's good time. company bef- yeah. before we record. Even though that's like what makes it all worthwhile, I think we should stop that so we could leave more time. Sure. On air. Oh, you're agreeing. Um. Okay, so unfortunately, the most exciting thing I can talk about is this glass of water from this medieval cup. Medieval times. Trent, cup, you must is- have eaten something today. What did you have for lunch? Or snack? Wait a sec. Yo, me, I had to drive Sarah Brotman in front of the show We um to the train station this morning, and then she offered me, she was like, I have a coupon code for a free coffee at this place, and I'm never going to come to New Brunswick again, so we should use it while we can. And then she got a cold brew, and she's like, you can't alter it or make it sweeter in any way. So I was like, give me a sip. And then I had a sip. I was like, this tastes like fucking pee. Mm. And then um, And then I just got an avocado toast, and that's the last thing I had. Very good. But what, yeah, what I wanted to talk about, um, before you derailed me is, um, I was gonna, I was having a sneeze attack like 15 minutes ago and my dad, whenever he's drinking beer, when he's on his second beer, he has a crazy sneeze attack that won't stop until he's drunk his third beer. Wow. And isn't that crazy? And, and it's like over my whole life. Every time we go out to dinner, on the second beer, sneeze attack. That'll go on for minutes. This this is one of the more bizarre hereditary things I've seen. And I swear, I have it too. And But I ha- had not drunk any beer prior to this, to this recording. Because I mean, you don't do to that. Sho- to shock everyone. Um, but I was having my sneeze attack, and I thought, maybe, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, have the dog that bit you. Hair of the dog that bit you. And let's drink beer now to stop the sneezing. But then I, and then I was, yeah, and then I held off. I was like, let's record. Let's get serious. This isn't Drunk Pod. This isn't Jaws 4. This is the Bottoms discussion. No, wait, this, this is the creator discussion. No, wait. This is actually this is... the intro.
Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, Trent, who are we continuing our discussion with? We're continuing our discussion, our delightful conversation with uh, Saw X cinematographer Nick Matthews. And I'd say, Parth, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the beef of the interview. The heart of the of our talk with him. One could say the heart and soul of the interview. Mm. Um, heart and soul. Trent, like uh, did I tell you it's going to be a month of Saw, that this is a three-part interview? And every week, I'm going to saw off a little bit of my arm until oh. it's completely oh, dear. gone. Um, In honor of Saw Week! If... If 10 craft services fans like our next post, I'll cut my freaking arm off. Is Don't you think that's a realistic goal? If it was 100, I wouldn't have to cut my arm off. We've never gotten that many likes. So that was cool. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick Matthews. What a guy, right? Um, really nice. I really enjoyed it. It was, wasn't it our first interview? No, I would say it was the first interview in a while. Maybe just... It yes. was it was our first interview in a while uh, because I did the Orange Sofer one on my own. Um, before that was Bottoms, Bottoms. Yes, yeah, so that was a while. And, and then and then there was a long gap prior to that. And, and then there was Oppenheimer before that. But I would say it was great to knock the rust off with our good friend, uh, director of photography, Nick Matthews. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to part one, which came out last week, he talks about how he became a cinematographer, entering the film industry, and sort of how he gets involved with this movie. This episode is going to be more uh, scenes. Uh, he gets this is a little more spoilerific, if that's interesting to people. Um, if you've managed to somehow not see Saw X in a theater yet, yeah, it's done very well at theaters. Um, yes. So um, if you have, if you're one of the many few that have um, uh, watched this movie, this is the episode for you because he's going to talk a little bit about how a bunch of scenes were made. We're going to talk about specific scenes, specific kills, favorite kills. Favorite kills might be um, next week. I haven't edited the, oh, the interview quite yet. But. Wow, I for, I forgot that there was going to be a whole third part to this, yep. and my my arm will just have to wait. And mm. with that being said, do you do you, you know what doesn't have to wait? Do you hear? It's like a project a film projector that's getting close. So I believe the first trap we see in the movie is the eyeball trap. Yeah. Um, can you talk about shooting that? Because so uh, just some background on my experience with the Saw franchise. My Parth friend, has seen all of them. Well, my friend Kate Rotunda is um, a huge Saw fan and um, was like, we have to watch it. And so I've seen all of them in pretty quick succession, um, but never in a theater. And um I saw this one in a theater with her and I felt like legitimately nauseous. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but um, yeah, so if you could speak on the eyeball trap, cause it was awesome. Yeah. So they, you know, I, that was written into the script, um, but what the script is and what things become are two different things in some ways. And our production designer, Anthony Stabley was, in, in many ways, like, you know, him and Kevin were the masterminds of what these traps looked like. Um, Anthony 
I worked with an entire traps team. I think they had eight people on their traps department team. And they were constantly creating renders of new ideas and new possibilities for us to present to Kevin, for them to present to the producers, to get sign off on what these things were. And they worked with concept artists. So it's it genuine. It's people sitting around and thinking like, well, what, what makes sense to, you know, and what sort of like devices make sense and what could John use and how could we make this? And so part of what happens is we started seeing things go up and being set up, you know, and, and Kevin and I would go in, we test every trap about four times before mm. we had to shoot it. So during prep, we had about 10 weeks to prep. Um, and actually because of the way the movie was shot, we, there was a, we ended up losing the prosthetics companies that were involved with the production from the beginning of the shoot or from the beginning. I wouldn't say the beginning of the shoot from the beginning of the pre-production. And they, those people stepped off for creative differences. Um, and then they ended up hiring this amazing company called fractured effects that did Westworld. They did the Nick, they did the eyes of Tammy Faye. They're fucking fantastic. And when I saw their prosthetics, I was like, well, that's why these cost tens of thousands of dollars is why it took a team of 30, 10 weeks to pull this off. Well, when we found out it was going to take them 10 weeks to pull off the prosthetics, that was five weeks out from production. And so we had this horrible choice of, do we push the movie by two months and then try to shoot it all at once? And the first AD and the line producer were just like, if you do that, all the crew will move on because it was split between last year and this year. So what we ended up doing was we shot basically 15 days but in um or 18 days in last year and it was all the non-prosthetics work and then we shot all the material that involved the prosthetics um this year and so that gave kevin and i an extra like month to shot list things and so during the prep what's happening is we're testing all the traps we're testing the stunts we're testing the props we're testing you know all the workability of each of these um, and so that is like, that is all ongoing as the movie is ongoing. We're seeing renders, we're seeing locations, we're seeing, you know, we're talking about palette. Um, that is all ongoing. And Kevin is just constantly in meetings for hours and hours every day. And, you know, a lot of his time is taken up with the actors, with the producers. There's a lot of big financial decisions being made. And so every free second I get with Kevin, we're shot listing. You know, we're talking about what we want to do, how we want to do it. And so we shot listed that sequence together. And one of the big things we wanted to do was say, let's, first of all, it's, it takes place in John Kramer's head. So we have a lot of license to go crazy with it. Um, secondly, we want the audience, we don't want the audience to know it's in John Kramer's head until the end of the trap. So we shoot it like a traditional trap, but we also wanted a trap that said, fuck you, sauce back, you know? And so... It's 360 dolly track. It's, you know, we're using a lambda head to do these, like when the finger breaks happen to do these like twists. That was what made me nauseous. Good. (laughs) You know, and that we wanted, saw I sort of see as like, it's a language of exclamation points. It's, you know, it's very big. It's bold. It's sort of in your face. It's, I always say it's like seven by way of a new metal music video. So it's like a little, you know, disturbs and Marilyn Manson and all those, you know, those videos. But we didn't want it to feel there's a little bit of a cheesiness to some of those, you know, and and I think we still wanted to feel some of what was campy, but not play it in a camp way, do it in a really straight forward way, but still have fun 
still have these big giallo moments. So we shot this circular dolly track, you know, and actually that trap is built in underneath the control room on the left side. There's like a wall. Well, the trap is technically, we just built it in there because it's technically set in the U S and, you know, we shot the whole movie in Mexico. So we still had to differentiate our palettes between the two. But um, in general, what we did with the traps was we would take, they did it in an art design. And I also did it with the lighting, which is we would take the naturalistic sort of scene work. And then we would play the trap as like the heightened version of that. So the traps all, you know, have lighting cues attached to them. The traps all have, um, you know, like in this case, we see this guy in the hospital and then we see the janitor now is, has a very similar device and very similar thing sort of as a, you know, this kind of moral play and tie in to um, his, you know, his sin, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, so we ended up settling on, like, I wanted to take the kind of steely blues and the, you know, sort of monochrome, like uh, blue, white, gray, silver, which we were using to represent the U.S., and I wanted to take that and sort of play it in like the more heightened bluey kind of green sort of, we have flickering lights. We put in cobwebs, you know, we just, we ended up making it feel like as sort of horror basementy as we could. And um, my dolly grip had to do an amazing job because it was built in around all these cinder poles and we couldn't actually put dolly track in there. So they had to do the, the moves like um, freehanded, you know, and it's fun because it's like, you're shooting at six frames a second, 270 degree shutter for those like stutter frames. And, you know, it's like, I'm on a 70 or I'm on a 24 to 290, like, you know, 12 to one ingenue. And I'm doing these like snap zooms as I'm like whipping around and getting dizzier and dizzier, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and, that, and we just wanted to punctuate it all visually. And, you know, Kevin is a mastermind you know, and, and like an encyclopedia of knowledge. So he really knew what he needed and, it was very much talked about, but then once you get into the flow, it's like, I have a B cam. We have, we run two cameras on everything we shoot. So it's, I'm operating a cam, my B camera operators there. And, you know, we're doing these fun, like Dutch angles where we're twisting the camera and pushing it in and just like trying to have fun with it. Really. Awesome. Is it because it's so effects oriented that you're always rolling two cameras? No, it's, it's Kevin style. It's Kevin. Oh, cool. Like, you know, Kevin has never had a movie with just one camera. And frankly, the last four movies I've shot were all two cameras. Um, the director's just, not everyone resonates with that. I love single camera. I would love to do another single camera movie. That sounds extremely exciting to me, actually. But the last four movies I've shot, we did two cameras. It's for a variety of reasons. One, um, most of the time, it's nice to not, you know, shoot your, say you're shooting a master, then you're shooting two overs and you're shooting singles on each character in like, let's say a diner situation, two people are sitting at a table. That's six setups right there. If you run the, that three takes per setup so that you have that for each, that's 18, you know, takes worth of shots. You, if you can kill that and or cut that in half by shooting two cameras, there are compromises made inevitably. Um, in this case, yes, the effects is a huge reason to shoot two cameras because the prosthetic costs, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and you only can build two or three of them. It's not like there's an infinite number of arms or legs or brains or hands, you know, those are, those are all individual pieces and they have a wear, they will wear out like the finger breaks. That's a prosthetic, you know, and it's when the finger break happens, it's, 
like they can only finger break it so many times before the joint gets destroyed and they have to rebuild. So that is a reason to shoot two cameras. But the other side of it is most days Kevin is present, you know, presenting, we'll talk about it. He'll build it. And then the night before Kevin always does pass at the shot list um, based on his new thoughts, his new ideas. And usually they're about six pages long, you know, and they're, they're written, they're like written. It's this piece and it does this. So it's not like just like shot number you know it is a written out descriptor but they're long and there's a lot of material and you know we're shooting a lot of shots in a day so a lot of it is and for me personally with my the way in which i light i would say most of the movies i've lit i two cameras doesn't compromise the lighting because Mm -hmm. usually lighting from either from above or from a side you know and or from below and so there's i'm usually not doing front light but there's you can usually, if you light from the side, you know, you can usually bring a camera in on anything on the, the dark side of that image and it'll look great. So you can get a profile shot, get something three quarters at the same time. As long as there's space to kind of, you know, and the lensing in what you're doing is long enough that you don't see yourself. Um, so, and, and running two cameras may mean that you end up playing both cameras 80% of the time, you know, and then there's like, certain shots that you just can't play both cameras on and that's just the nature of the beast. So yeah, that's kind of, um, you know, it, Kevin is an editor at heart. Like Kevin's cut so many movies. He's worked on a lot of films. He's been hired to come in and recut movies after they were shot already cut by somebody else. So like, you know, take an example of like the scene where Parker Sears comes in and, you know, he sees himself in the mirror. He's got the gun out. Then he whips around a corner. He sees the pig mask. He shoots it. It falls to the ground. Boom. A head gets revealed. It's, you know, Valentina's head. And then he turns around and Amanda smacks him in the face. There are some directors I would shoot that with and they would shoot that in four shots. And with Kevin, there's a shot for the head reveal. There's a close up on the head, you know, on the ground. There's just a shot of the pig mask being shot. There's a wide, you know, so, and we shot all of that sequence in half a day so you know it's just like you have a lot of material you have to shoot quickly um we can't help but ask what is your favorite uh torture setup trap in of the film that you got to shoot in this film in this film i would say you can also give your favorite in all, all films if you, if you have one yeah. just out of curiosity I, yeah, for me, the rack is like the most uncomfortable in in the, just like all of the films. It's hard because I worked on this one, and so like I was there on set. The, there were two that made me kind of like jolt a bit while we were shooting them. Um, the pipe bombs because of his arms just looked like a fucking <laughs> disaster, and you're just like yeah. the muscles, and like you're just like oh, you <laughs> might live, Diego, but your arms are thrashed and your muscles are destroyed like you'll have permanent scar and that's just like yeah like watching him cut into that was really brutal on set it was less so because you know the arms are being hoisted by like a c-stand and you have somebody pumping blood like standing two feet off the camera Mm -hmm. but when you looked at just the monitor you were like this is grotesque the the brain surgery trap it's very simple like I have different traps I like for different reasons. The bone marrow trap is like probably my most. I think like, I think that's my favorite. That was my most di- that that was my most disturbed moment. Yeah, it's just raw and it's the it's so, and the prosthetic looks so good. Ugh, 
when like you see the little skin flap uh, like as she just pops through it on her leg it's just like <laughs> oh my god yeah and like they're you know they even did because we tested that trap a number of times and so we ended up putting linoleum down painted to look like concrete over the entire floor so that when we had to do resets of the blood we could just wipe it up instead of doing like you know just concrete and um yeah i mean that trap is like deeply disturbing i think the you know like watching somebody put like something into their exposed leg is really upsetting um and then you know we had to get all these beautiful like little inserts of the bone marrow there's only one in there that we fucked up which the bone there's just one shot where we we were saw like we were pull our close focus was too far in and it doesn't matter because it's only on screen for like two seconds but kevin i was just like god damn it i wish we had retaken that shot but um no in general like we end up the last day of the shoot it was all inserts and so we just had an, a pile of inserts we shot and i had to kind of remember and match the lighting throughout the movie for those insert shots but like all the bone marrow inserts all that stuff that's stuff we did on the last day but the, the trap itself cutting through the prosthetic her face all the you know all the dialogue material around that that we all did in a, like a day day and a half um, and then the brain surgery did really like, I mean, it was a great prosthetic. Like it was a prosthetic that sat on his head and then was encapsulated. And so like we could literally, the only CG blood, there's very few little CG blood in this movie. Most I of was it, about to ask about with the blood boarding part. Yeah. That's all that? real. That's I mean, oh. not blood, but it's, it's all real. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, it's, the bloodboarding trap was fun because I was just like, I'm going to go bold, like giallo, like steely blue because the blood will regrade on it. And then like blast of red. And it also like full circled the color palette in the movie. Um, and we originally we had a lot of different discussions about how to do the bloodboarding. You know, it's like you can't safely. What it comes down to is you can't safely pour fake blood, like no matter the consistency or what it's made out of, which it was like chocolate syrup and like some other stuff. Um, so it smells good actually, apparently. but you can't, that's, you know, it will, it will at a minimum aggravate someone's eyes. Um, yeah. It's kind so, of dangerous no matter what you use. I yeah, mean, just inherently. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and actually it is, there is no, like, even if it's water, it's like, it is someone's being boarded, you know yeah. what I mean? And so like, you can't breathe very well. So that, that was a big, you know, obviously we're using stunt. The big conversation was how do we sell John and, Carlos in this trap while we know we have to use stunt stunt uh, people to play them were like, and so what it became was, um, you know, we, we, if you watch the film again, you'll see like we start on the characters out, you know, in the sort of main room and then we rack to the characters as their faces are being covered in blood. And that was a way we could transition into it. And then we're still covering John and Carlos in blood and, dripping that you know getting them covered and soaking and we're shooting their close-up pieces but you yeah it was a lot just a lot of material to shoot and um very like you got i mean all of us got blood all over us and you know the cameras got blood all over them and it you know it's 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 pretty fun um and it's they did a great job with the makeup on the stunt doubles and also like you know it's because you can't put a child into that <laughs> situation, you know? So, so that, that becomes like a real, a real conversation. Um, and we figured out 
how to do it. And one of the fun things, like even with the brain surgery trap, by the time we got to that trap, I, I got COVID on the movie after like, we basically shot all the control room stuff and then we shot all the main floor. So I didn't know what the lighting for, like I have a document that's like the lighting for every scene on the main floor in the control room. So that every time we went out, like, and I did this for the whole movie. I, because my crew is all like, we worked in Mexico and they're Spanish. Like, uh, I don't speak Spanish. I only speak very little. And, um, they speak, you know, um, some of them spoke more English. My camera department was very bilingual. My grip and electric department was less so. And so I would make like documents where I take photos at the location and then I would draw in where the lights go or draw in where the light comes from and the color of the light. And so I had a document that, you know, basically for the main game room, we built every light you see in the, in that room is a film light, but it's all built into practical houses so that they all look like real fixtures inside of things. And so I have complete led control of every single light in that room on a console. And so I can change all of it. Obviously in the context of the movie, John's not a DJ with the lights. The idea is all these traps are on circuit timers. And so when things fire up, light, lighting cues happen in conjunction with that. Um, so things go on or off, but I didn't really want things to feel like it's like, Oh, like the bloodboarding trap starts, you know, lights turn on, you know, lights underneath turn on, but it's not uh, like happening during the gameplay. So um, during the brain surgery trap, you know, we do a lighting cue transition. Billy comes out. I had a lot of fun lighting Billy for his first moment on screen and, it was just like, let's go big. You know what I mean? It's Billy. Like people are going to be excited. And um, even doing the brain surgery trap, like because I'd had COVID, I was like, look, we, we went down for like a few days because a few people tested positive and then we came back. And I was like, I just don't have the energy to operate a Venice with like a, you know, a prime on it. Like I need, an, I need an a, a B cam op who also did second unit. His name was Edgar Luzania. Great person and great operator but he bumped up from b to a and then we brought in this guy and um name who was also named nick but everyone called him Oso uh because he's the ox and so uh he was fantastic as well and so he came on as b camera and so those guys were operating and shooting but once you've set the lighting i mean you know mateo is basically locked in that space and kevin has good visual ideas so we were just we had those cameras going and shooting the pieces and I, while we were doing that, I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to grab, I have a black magic 6k camera and I grabbed that and threw it 70 to 200 on it with some filters. And then I was just like, lens, you know, I set it to six frames a second, 270 degree shutter. And I was doing lens whacking and zooming and, and all those stutter frames you see in that sequence were things I shot on my black magic. So we just didn't have time to do everything. So it's like one of the things that's fun is you can use like this prosumer or whatever you want to call that black magic, like technology. And, you know, I, there are probably 20 to 30 shots in the movie that I did on the black magic. I mean, the, the, the really important shot of John that's like right on the blood, you know, right on the paddle of the bloodboard <clears throat> on the seesaw. That's my black magic. Cause we were able to just like rat, you know, toss it on there rather than doing like a full like speed rail Venice build. I could just put the black magic right on the there and like strap it on and we could shoot the shot within like two to three minutes, you know? And also I didn't care if my camera got, I mean, we covered it in plastic, but I didn't care if it got doused and stuff, you know? And I was like, we have to have this shot. Otherwise the audience isn't 
right in the bloodboarding trap with John, you know? And so I sort of have treated that camera like a cinematic GoPro um, and just use it, you know, and get these like great little pieces. I've used it on all of the last four movies I've shot. I've used it to get some little piece, or even if you just don't want to have like your, your camera assistants are busy, you know what I mean? And they're like busy, like flipping a bill. And I'm like, well, I want to have a camera available that I can just pick up and go, shoot but they can cut with the venice cut with the mini lf cut with the alexa mini you know and get graded to match um parth hi what'd you think of all that nah, nah i'm kidding I thought the inter- I thought the interview was freaking awesome. Wow, you really you caught yeah. me there. you got me there. Um, Nick Matthews, I would never do you like that. Thanks for coming on the show. So you do Nick Matthews? That's interesting. Um, yes, what? thank you so much to Nick Matthews. Uh, we uh, enjoyed continuing this conversation, even though we've had this conversation long ago, and um, this is just a, a singular interview split into three parts, but um, we enjoyed continuing this conversation with you. Um, it feels like we're talking to you every freaking day on, yeah. on this end. I don't know but if it feels to. the same. We're happy to. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, but yeah. And thank you, dear listener. If you've made it this far and are unlike Sophia Alexis listening to the outro. Um, Sophia Alexis doesn't listen to the outro as Sophia well, Alexis as well, says that I, she rarely listens to the intros. As the host of the show, I mean, maybe this makes sense, but I, like, only listen to the intro and the outro. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that the inverse is true for most listeners. I, I would rather they listen to the interview than us babble on about water or whatever. Um, but anyways, <laughs> if you want to see um, some of our internet babblings, you can go check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Those are social media platforms. And I guess I don't know what you're listening to this episode on right now, but Trent, if they wanted to continue listening on this platform, whatever one it is, but if they wanted to go on a different platform, is that possible for them? Just some platforms that you could consider is our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, or uh, frankly, Pandora. wherever you get Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Um, you can find us. Um, Remember when the interview was about to start and Nick Matthews was like, "Craft services." I've listened. To yeah, this. and um, I was, that, and I was we, like, well, I was, I was like, "What are you talking I, about?" Dude? I, I looked at your face and your jaw was literally on the floor. Wait, that's like, the exact face you made. I was like, "You're like a real cool person, though." What are you doing, spending time with us losers? Just well, okay, talking. Yeah, we're all right. Yeah, what are you doing, just spending your time with Parth and I? Just two all right guys talking about movies. And if that's not the thesis statement of this podcast, I don't know what is. Yeah, um, that. Uh, so next week you can check us out. Um, part three coming out next week, and then after that, we've got a whole bunch of discussions that we've uh, yet to do. So um, gotta we'll play, s- gotta. Gotta play catch up. We're, you know? we're, it, maybe it'll be Saw X. Maybe it'll be Bottoms. Maybe it'll be the other, the creator. Yeah, that's the one we missed. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's exciting times um, for craft services. Parth, eventually, the chickens have to come home to roost. You know, and mm. it's not like you can just interview people without properly discussing and analyzing their films. So. 
Well, Trent, our Zoom uh, says that we have less than a minute left and won't tell us exactly how many seconds. So I'm just going to cut you short and say, see you next week, folks. Bye, Parth. Bye, Parth.